All right, well, let me pray one more time, and then we're going to jump into the word this morning. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews. I cannot believe it. This was week 49 of our reading through the Bible together this year. That's amazing. That's amazing. You guys have done awesome hanging with that. It's been rich and rewarding um, just diving into God's word together this year. And so we're going to be talking about the book of Hebrews and specifically the rest that is available to us in Jesus, the rest that is available in him. So let's pray and invite him to come be our guide and our teacher this morning. So Heavenly Father, we do worship you. Um, Lord, we don't view this as like worship is done and now we're moving to the next thing. God, we're thankful that we can be in your presence. And so Lord, we invite you now to teach us this morning. God, remind us of things that we need to hear again. God, maybe show us some things we haven't seen before. God, if there's things in our way of thinking and living that need to be challenged, we invite you to do that. Lord, if there are areas where we're just weary and worn down, God, we look to you as our source of life and strength. And so, God, would you speak encouragement into our hearts today? Jesus, we love you and we worship you. And I just pray that we could have a clear picture of you, the one who has arranged for us to experience the promised rest that we so desperately need. Jesus, thank you for that. Holy Spirit, would you come and be our teacher and our guide? Do all that the scripture says that you do. Help us, teach us, remind us, challenge us. Help us to be able to hear this word, but also to live it out. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. All right, so I wanna talk to you guys about the power of rest today. Now, anytime I kind of reflect on my life, I'm, I'm very aware that I am a person who at times has struggled with resting. Um, and very specifically, like one of my lowest moments, you guys know that phrase, like no rest for the weary? Anybody feel like you've lived that phrase out some this year? Um, my 35th birthday, which is now over five years in the rearview mirror, my 35th birthday was miserable. Um, I'm a July 4th baby, so there's always fireworks and parties on my birthday. But my 35th birthday, I was recovering from a torn ACL. And so I had this gigantic brace on my leg, and I was like just a couple days after surgery, so I could barely move around. Like my, our master bedroom, this is back in the Franklin area, Spring Hill, Tennessee. Um, our master bedroom was upstairs. So, I mean, you want to talk about feeling helpless. I couldn't even get up the stairs. Like, I think, in fact, my first day home, we maybe even had to have some guys come help me get up the stairs. Um, I don't, Alex, I don't remember if you were on that. Were you on that list? Yeah. See, I was so out of it. I don't even know. I couldn't even get up to my bedroom. And so I'm like a couple days out of surgery. I'm hobbled. I can barely move around. And on the day of my birthday, my grandfather went to be with Jesus. And so I'm stuck in bed, my legs messed up, my grandfather went to be with Jesus, and I'm just like, I'm wallowing. You, know, you ever been there where you're wallowing and you kind of know you are, like you have a good reason to be, but you're still, you're like letting yourself fully embrace the wallow. And so I was just in the dumps. And so, of course, around, I don't know, 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night, I'm stuck in bed, and my bedroom is like on fire, not literally, but it is 
blazing hot, I realized our air conditioning has gone out on July 4th. And, I, and so I get up, I use crutches, I hobble outside because for some reason our electrical breaker box is outside. And I'm hoping it's just as simple as that. And of course it's not. And so I'll just, I'll never forget this one specific moment. I get back upstairs, it's 10 o'clock at night. I'm just, I'm frustrated, I'm tired, I'm weary. I just take my crutches and I just, I just chuck them. Like, you know that move where just, I just chuck them and like plopped on the bed and just had a pity party. I was just, I was just worn out. I was like desperate for rest, but it wasn't just that I was tired. I felt helpless. There were problems I couldn't fix. There were wounds that just weren't ready to be healed yet. And that was about way more than my knee. Their emotional wounds, brokenness. And I'm a fixer and I couldn't fix things. I was worn down. Friends, the reality is that much of our life on this earth, in fact, the human story is wrapped up in striving and weariness, longing for rest. And so as we approach the book of Hebrews this morning, um, I just, I wanna encourage you, this is, it's about a specific moment in time, but it's about the human story. And so let's just start out with the very first words here in Hebrews chapter one. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The writer of Hebrews goes on through the rest of chapter one into chapter two, just just continuing to declare the glory of Jesus. Friends, the book of Hebrews here, it's, it's very rich and it's brought to light by knowing the Old Testament scriptures. So, you know, I, I realize we're all at different places. Maybe some of you didn't, haven't been doing the reading plan. Maybe some of you jumped in later in the year. But, man, I just want to encourage you guys would, to see Jesus in his fullness the more we realize the complete story that the scripture is telling, highlighting what God is up to and highlighting our need, it's powerful. And so the Old Testament, guys, it's the story of the world through the lens of God's people Israel. But it's the story of all of us, our need, the hope that we find in him. And Jesus, what, what the writer of Hebrews is saying here, Jesus is the fulfillment the completion of this story. The writer of Hebrews right here is saying this. Number one, he made us. He made us and he upholds all things. But also number two, he saved us. He did the things we could not do for ourselves. This thought continues on. What he's done for us continues on into chapter two now. Look at verses 14 and 15. Since therefore... The children share in flesh and blood. That's me and you. We are just people. We are people in this world that he has created who are struggling and striving through. 
all the hopes that the prophets have pointed to, all the fulfillment that is in Jesus, we, man, we are just regular broken people. And so here, us, the children, we share in flesh and blood. So what did Jesus do? He himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Friends, the book of Hebrews, whether you realize it or not, is part of the Christmas story. The message is that God has come here and become one of us. He took on flesh, he took on blood, he entered the striving of this world and this life to set things right. And so he faced head on all the human struggling, all the tragedy we face. He faced it head on, all the things that would destroy, and he won. He won, he conquered the enemy. And so friends, our human story, all these old struggles with sin, all the struggles with this enemy that that hates me, that's against me, my struggles in a world that's just broken and fallen. Listen, friends, even our struggles with God. I, I relate to Jacob of old wrestling with God at times. God sees us right where we are. See, step out of the big picture story for a minute and realize Jesus steps into your personal story. He cares about the human struggle, but like Rob, he cares about your struggle. He loves you. He sees you. He knows the stuff that we're going through. And he says, I love you so much. I'm not just looking down from a distance. I I am coming and entering your world. And I'm becoming one of you because I care about you that much. I see the struggle, I see the striving, I know that sin rips off and destroys. You know, I don't want to get all weird and spiritual on you guys here, but like, the devil's real. We have an enemy that hates us, he's real. And whether we even recognize it or not, we're not just in a battle with our own sin nature, we're in a battle with an enemy who hates us because we look like him. Satan hates God, And he hates his children, and so we're stuck in this battle. And then listen, remove my own personal sin nature, which, I mean, I can't. I battle with it. Remove Satan for a minute. I just live in a fallen world. There's everything from, you know, climate issues, hurricanes that show up, tornadoes that come in. There's just the fallen nature of our physical being. Like, we get sick. We die. There's pain and struggle. But Jesus says, I have come into your world I see the struggle, but I've come to bring rest. Hebrews 2, verses 6 through 8 now. It has been testified somewhere, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little, or you made him for a little while lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now when putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. What's he saying? Number one, God cares about us. 
He sees. He's mindful of us. He's aware of the struggle. He's aware of the difficulty. He sees you personally. He's mindful of us. Secondly, he did something about it. Jesus came, became one of us, and listen, he is now in control. He has dominion. He has authority. Nothing is left outside of his control. So then what's the problem? At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. The problem is we don't see it. It's not obvious. Listen, guys, I've walked with Jesus a long time now. I know his promises. I know his word. I know that he's faithful. But you know what feels real to me most days? The struggle that's right here. That thing that I can see and feel that's around me and right in front of me. That's what feels real. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying, he's not ignoring our human condition. He's not ignoring this age-old story. He's simply saying, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the striving, there is one who has all the hope that we need. He has all the victory that we need. And he has this offer of rest available to us. And so in light of Jesus, in light of the reality of who he is, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 now. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Give that imagery of drifting like a ship at sea that's drifting away. And he's saying, listen, we need an anchor. We need something to hold us steady so we don't drift. And so he says, in light of Jesus, how glorious he is, all that he has done for us, in light of that, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard. We've got to lean in to what he has to say for us. Listen, friends, if you are a follower of Jesus, if he has rescued and saved you, we don't now just tune out and move on. We we are called to lean in, to pay attention to him that we have heard of, the one that we have received, to not lose sight of him. And so what is it that our Jesus has done? How can we pay much closer attention? What I wanna do for a minute is I wanna talk with you guys for just a couple minutes specifically about what Jesus has done as our priest, as our priest. This is, this is a, maybe a weird word for us. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with kind of the Old Testament priestly duty, but I wanna simplify some of this down for us this morning. I realize as an American you know, sitting in a school gym here this morning. Maybe if anything, when you think of a priest, you might think of like a Catholic priest, for example. But Jesus stands in the biblical priestly role that we see throughout the Old Testament. A priest is someone that does something for us that we can't do for ourselves. They work on our behalf. Specifically, they go to the Lord on our behalf. And friends, I hope that we can see a little bit more clearly what Jesus has done for us as our priest so that we can have an anchor whatever storm we're in, whatever struggle that we're facing, 
whatever striving might still be in front of us, that there is rest available in him because of who he is, because of what he has done and what he's doing right now for you and for me. He's our great high priest. And so in the book of Hebrews, it unpacks for several chapters this concept, but I wanna just give you a little bit of a flavor of this. So Hebrews chapter five now, verses one through three. Okay, this is looking back in history at the priests in Jewish history. And it says, for every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins just as he does for those of the people. So there there were priests in general who served and who worked, and then there was the high priest. And the high priest's job, one of their jobs specifically, once a year, was to go into the place in the tabernacle or then the temple that represented the place where God's presence dwelt. And he would go into that place called the Holy of Holies once a year, and he would bring the blood sacrifice on behalf of the people. But that priest, he needed to be covered too. This was a broken, fallen man like you and I. And so he went in on our behalf and did this once a year. This priest doing for us what we can't do for ourselves, our representative before God. See, friends, whatever struggle we're facing, I would encourage you to consider this in your life. Whatever struggle we're facing, circumstances that are outside of yourself, your own struggle with just sin in your life, Every problem that we face, the root cause for us is separation from God. It's separation from God. Circumstances that are outside of myself that I can't control, what does that have to do with me being separated from God? Well, because the truth is I don't control anything anyways. The control that I do have, it's an illusion. He's in control. I'm not. And so when circumstances outside of myself are bringing stress, anxiety, where I'm, I'm like fighting and struggling for something I can't quite wrap my hands around, the truth is I'm supposed to be trusting him because he's got it. Over and over again, I've, I've, I've watched in my life where thankfully he's gentle, but man, he's direct, where the Holy Spirit will come along and he'll highlight ways where I'm still separated from the Lord. I'm trying to do his job for him. Or I'm coming up with my own priests, like I don't call them that, but I come up with my own priests, these other objects or people who are going to accomplish something for me to bring about the peace I lack. But the truth is, it's only found in him. It's only found in him. And so this this priest would represent us because in all of our brokenness, we needed help. And so this high priest would go in once a year and represent us. But Jesus is different and unique. And so we're gonna step into something a little mysterious here this morning. So after highlighting this high priest that used to represent us once a year, the Jewish people once a year, 
Now the writer of Hebrews highlights Jesus. This is chapter five, verse five. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And he says also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. All right, you guys wanna try to say a Bible vocabulary word here this morning, y'all ready? On the count of three, I want you to try to say Melchizedek. You ready? One, two, three. Wow, Savannah, great job. (laughs) Melchizedek, right? This is so wild. The writer of Hebrews is gonna talk about this guy and give him way more real estate in the scripture than he ever had the first time he showed up. This mysterious character shows up in Genesis chapter 14 for like two or three verses, all right? And so Abraham has gone out to rescue some of his family that's been captured. And there's this big battle, this big fight. He rescues Lot and he actually accumulates some wealth after this difficult battle. And on his return home, he has this encounter with this mysterious character. And so the scripture here is saying Jesus is like this priest, Melchizedek, he stands forever. What is he talking about here? Hebrews chapter seven now, verses one and two, give us a little more insight. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him, Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is first, talking about Melchizedek, by the translation of his name, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of priest. Okay, Jake, what are you talking about this morning? What, what, why are you talking about Melchizedek and high priests? Like, what's the deal? Okay, we need to hear and receive this, all right? So, Jesus is in the place of Melchizedek. Okay, priests of old came through the line of the Levites. Y'all remember that in our Bible reading? They came through the line of the Levites. Abraham precedes Isaac, Jacob, and these tribes, including the Levites. Father Abraham pays tithes to a priest this priest who's also a king named Melchizedek. And the point that the writer of Hebrews makes is while these other high priests are flesh and blood just like you and me, they sin and they die. And they had to repeat sacrifices over and over again. He's saying Jesus is the ultimate priest who lives forever, who died once for all. And there's something really cool about him. He has a couple of titles. You ready? Melchizedek, this very name, it means king of righteousness. King of righteousness. What is it that Jesus offers us as our priest? Right standing with God. The thing that we can't achieve on our own. And what is his title? King of Salem. It means king of peace. What is it that Jesus offers us? He offers us right standing with God and peace with God. That's what our high priest brings. He offers those things. 
And in Genesis, when Melchizedek comes out, I don't know if you noticed this the first time when we read it, but when he comes out, this is Genesis 14, 18, Melchizedek comes to Abraham and watch this. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Guys, there is something powerful about our Jesus. He's not a Levite. He comes from the tribe of Judah. You know what the tribe of Judah is known for? That's the tribe of kings. Jesus is our king. He has authority. He has power. But because he is a high priest in the order of Melchizedek, he's not just a king. He's also a priest, which means he does something on our behalf that we cannot do for ourselves. He brings the offering so we can be right and we can have peace. Friends, listen, this is absolutely about our sins being forgiven and us being reconciled to God. But I fear that all too often as followers of Jesus, we don't realize that we get wrapped up striving to get things right all the time. I got to get it right. I got to get it perfect. I got to make all the right choices. I've got to do this, this, and this to get here. And then when I fail or I struggle or the outcome didn't work out, I must have gotten something wrong. So many of us as believers, we keep striving to get it right all the time. And Jesus is saying, that's my job. I'm the one who is righteous. And I've worked this on your behalf. And listen, I don't just go in as the priest. I also go in as the sacrifice. I bring the bread and the wine. It's my body broken for you. It's my blood shed for you that makes the way for this. And so because of Jesus, our ultimate priest, we have a priest who is eternal. He lives forever. And his work is, has, he has accomplished his mission. He's the ultimate priest, the ultimate king, the ultimate sacrifice so that we might be right with God and we might have peace. Hebrews 7, 22 through 25 wraps up this thought. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Friends, his job right now, he's praying for you and he's praying for me. When I need things to be set right now in my life, He's available. When I'm struggling with fear, worry, anxiety, he brings peace because he has gone before me as priest and as sacrifice that I might receive what I can only get from him. Hebrews 6, 19 through 20. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. I want you to hear that. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. What is the thing that we have as a sure, steadfast anchor? It's a hope 
that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Remember the Holy of Holies I was talking about a few minutes ago? It, it enters into the place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Listen, if, you, if none of the rest of this has made sense to you, I want y'all to hear this this morning. In days of old, when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, they would tie a rope around him. And then he would wear something that would make noise because it was a risky proposition to go into the presence of God as a broken, fallen person. And the idea was that the people outside could hold onto the rope and if that guy went into the presence of God and he wasn't right with God or he was being flippant or whatever else happened and he were to fall dead, he could be brought back out of the presence of God safely. And so the people on the outside of the curtain were the anchor for the guy on the inside to bring him out. Why? It's risky because none of us measures up. On our own, we fall short. Guys, if, if you've ever had that sense of like, just not having what it takes, not measuring up, not being good enough, that's accurate. But the beauty is in Jesus, it's okay that that's accurate because that's his job. And so now listen, friends, the roles are reversed. Hear this, what is the anchor of our souls? That Jesus himself has gone in to the presence of God on our behalf and now we who are outside, the anchor is inside. All of the places where I'm fearful and I don't measure up and I don't have what it takes and I, I don't have the peace that I lack and I, I don't have that right standing that I lack, every bit of it is available for me in the presence of God. And Jesus has gone in as a forerunner, not as the only one who's going in, as a forerunner. And so the anchor of our souls, friends, is that when we are on the outside, struggling, striving, suffering, Jesus is on the inside saying, come on in. The water's fine. Come on in. I've got you. And I have what you need in here because what you need is found in the presence of God. The righteousness that you need you don't have it on your own, but we've got it in him. And so he draws us in. That peace that we lack, we're not gonna find it on the outside. We're not. You wanna try to find it through success, through achievement. You wanna try to find it, not just with money, but with what money offers, like a sense of safety and control and provision and comfort. Friends, our peace is not out there. Why else are you wasting your time sitting in a school gym this morning? If your peace was out there, go have it. Our peace is in him. And Jesus is the anchor for our souls that we might find rest in him. When we're striving, when we're struggling, when we're anxious and unsure, let's remember that Jesus is our anchor drawing us in. Friends, I wanna close with this. Hebrews chapter four now, verses nine, we're gonna go all the way through verse 16. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. 
For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter the rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. There is a rest available to us. And for some reason, it just doesn't come easy. For some reason in our human nature, we resist the glorious offer of rest. We resist it. And the disobedience, it doesn't just come from living a sinful life. That's not what this is about. The striving isn't about striving to be good. The only thing we strive to do is trust him. That's the striving. See, watch this, the next couple of verses. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Who we really are, what we really struggle with, all the stuff that goes on right up here, it's exposed before God. It's known to him already. It's known to him already. That would be a terrifying thought if the next couple verses didn't exist. But they do. In light of who we are in reality, our struggles, our fears, our troubles, in light of all of that, we have hope because of this. Verse 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Friends, what's the striving to enter rest? It's coming to him. It's coming to him. It's realizing he already sees me. All that I'm struggling with, in all my brokenness, in the cares of this life, my Savior Jesus loves me and sees me and he has worked hard on my behalf so I can find rest in him. I don't have to prove myself. I don't have to get it right all the time. I can trust in Jesus. He is faithful. There is rest available in him. Friends, if you are weary and worn down from the cares of this life, from what we're going through this year, maybe, maybe it literally is the results of dealing with all the stuff related to COVID. Maybe it's that. Maybe it has nothing to do with that. Maybe you're weary for other reasons in your life. Friends, our God loves us. We have a high priest who sympathizes with us. He's walked the road that we've walked. He didn't rest so that we can. 
You ever notice that about him? You ever just watched like what his life looked at like through scripture? Think about this. He was born into this world and didn't even have like a normal place to lay his head. He was born in a, in a stable, in a manger, probably a cave. Couldn't even rest there long, had to flee as a refugee to another country to escape death. Then as he moves into his an adult life and he begins to minister, the scripture says of him, like, hey, even foxes have holes, <laughs> dens, you know, birds have nests. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He worked on our behalf so we could rest in him. Friends, I don't know what things might be causing you to, to feel weary and run down. I don't know what striving in your life might look like. Maybe there's a sin or a struggle that has just been eating your lunch and you've longed for freedom and you just can't seem to break free. Jesus has taken care of it. He paid the price for it. And if we come to him, he can set us free. If you're just struggling to make your way this year and you're not even sure where your next footstep should be, he's got it. He is the anchor for our souls. Friends, my hope and prayer for us, as not just as we're approaching Christmas, but we're in that season, as we're reflecting on him right now in this season, guys, my prayer for us is that we would find rest in his presence. Not just I rest mentally because like, I believe the Bible's true or I believe that, that these words are right. I mean, come to him. Spend time in the presence of God. He's made a way for that. He brings us near. And we can take our brokenness, our anxieties, our struggles, and we can receive from him right standing. Everything will be all right. He brings peace where there's fear and anxiety. It's found in the presence of God. Friends, there's power in learning to rest in Jesus. The story of the scripture is the striving of human beings to find comfort and rest in this world. To be right with God, to arrange for peace in our lives. And, and the end of the story has been told, we're hopeless without Jesus. But thank God for Jesus, our great high priest, the eternal one, who brings rest for weary souls. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that even though we are just man, we are just flesh and, and bone, you do care for us. What is man that you're mindful of us? The truth is we are precious in your sight. God, you see our weakness, our struggle, God, you know the ways that, that we can even be separated from you, even, even now, God. But Jesus, you have made a way. You are our anchor. You have arranged for us to receive rest from you. God, I pray that we would be able to receive it. God, that whatever obstacles keep us from just resting in you, 
finding peace no matter what the circumstances are. God, would, would you, by the power of your word and your Holy Spirit, would you do surgery? That's what's being described here in Hebrews. The word of God is living and active and sharp. God, would you, would you come do surgery? Would you reveal the obstacles that keep us from finding rest in you? God, that we might hold fast to our confession that you're our great high priest. You're our king. You're our Lord. You're our savior. Jesus, you're the ultimate sacrifice. And so we lay down our striving. We lay down our anxiety. And we choose to trust you. God, may we find some refreshing in your presence. It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. All right, friends, we love you. Pray you've got a great week this week. Look forward to worshiping together next Sunday. Um, just want to continue to encourage you guys, man, let's stay connected with one another. Reach out to people, see who the Lord might lay on your heart this week. Don't just miss that stuff. Like he's, he's caught my attention with that recently. Man, if he puts a name on your heart, send a text, make a phone call. Let's lift one another up and encourage one another as we're walking forward together, all right? Love you, friends. Have a great week. We'll see you soon.